This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Everybody in Pittsburgh, breathe that collective sigh of relief. <sighs> I was going to say, do you want to do it together? You were supposed to, but you were late. Well, now so. it's my turn. No, now your sigh of relief is too late. Worst case scenario has been avoided. T.J. Watt did not sustain a season-ending injury, at least for now. Steelers get their second, their third opinion. The pec muscle was torn, but the tendon that attaches the muscle to the bone, that remained intact. And I'm not a doctor, but several doctors called into the Mark Madden show yesterday (laughs) and told me that is good news. When that tendon rips apart from the bone, it is surgery 10 times out of 10 and you're done. So the tendon staying intact, six weeks likely timetable for return for Mr. TJ Watt. And that's what happened to Cam Hayward, right? The tendon. The did tendon not oh the tendon got torn yeah, and, and that's how his muscle came off. Same with Steph Tewitt a couple years right. ago too. That injury is a season ender, six month to a year recovery time. Yeah. But torn muscle, I mean I'm sure you've pulled a muscle before. You've torn yeah. a muscle before. It's like have- it's a couple weeks. You know, it's it's very very uncomfortable for those couple weeks. But slowly but surely, it starts to build itself back up. And no need for a surgical rebuild. It will rehabilitate itself. So this is honestly, I mean, I think the best news you could have asked for. We all knew it wasn't going to be. Oh, it's just a little sprain, and he'll yeah. be back next week. So. Give me six weeks without T.J. Watt over a year, any day of the week, obviously. here's the. There's two ways to look at T.J.'s rehab time to this. It's, oh my gosh, he's a beast. He's already back out here <laughs> three to four weeks later. But if it doesn't take that long, you're not going to sit here and say, oh, this guy is so soft. Right. I mean, he's a professional uh, football player. T.J., T- I could see it happening both ways. You are a physical specimen. It would not... I would not put it past you to say, yeah, I just need a little bit of time to really get used to it. And I've played through worse pain before in my life. You know, we, we heard what Alex Highsmith had to say after the game ended on Sunday afternoon when he was talking to Missy Matthews on the sideline saying, it sucks. I mean, there is no one who wants to be out there more than TJ does. And it sucks for him and it sucks for the rest of us that we can't be out there with him. TJ loves the game of football, will we'll play through anything really unless it totally, totally, totally keeps him out of the game. I think uh, maybe it was Wolf who said something along these lines saying, is it TJ Watt going to be interfering with himself saying, I could be out there, let me go out there to the doctors, to the team doctors, but they're going to be the ones saying, no, you got to, you got to, whoa, as Tom would like to say, you'd rather tell a guy, whoa, than sick him. That's always going to be the case for T.J. Watts, so how quickly will he return is really just up to T.J., I think. Yeah, it's always Not, different. It's case to case. You yeah. know, some athletes are quicker to rehab than others, so six weeks seems to be, you know, the common theme amongst people who are reporting the the timetable that's um, been pretty much across the board. The Schefters and the rap reports saying that as the diagnosis. Maybe it's a bit longer. Like you said, maybe it could be a bit sooner. But to what Alex Highsmith said about how it sucks straight up, you know, I was watching the replay of the game last night, and there's 14 seconds on the clock in regulation when TJ gets hurt. I mean, it was just almost a Picasso of a game for, from him. It really was despite leaving early and then missing that overtime period. But to have that performance end with that kind of an injury, oh, man, it deflated me seeing it again for the second time. And the play that he got injured on, 
very weird one where he just obliterates Leo Collins' helmet. I yeah, mean, it's he, kind of he his own fault. Throws really. it into next week, and that's a penalty on him. Mm-hmm. That's not where he gets hurt, though. He then sees Joe Burrow standing in front of him, and instead of a wrap around the legs or a wrap around the waist, he like Pushes jumps up. and pounces yeah. on him like he's a a bear mm-hmm. jumping out of a cave to attack its prey. And I think it just contorted his pec in a weird way that had the the muscle tear. So very unfortunate circumstance, obviously, to see him go down. But now you know the likely timetable. Now you know the task at hand if you're the Steelers. Life without T.J. Watt for at least the next six weeks. And a lot of angles we can take when it comes to this. The Malik Reed angle, will he step up and fill the gap as best as he can? The you know, scheme angle, are the coaches going to be able to scheme around the T.J. Watt injury to make the defense not obviously as impactful as it was against Cincinnati, but pretty much as close as you can be without the presence of your best player. And then the other angle that I think we should start with is if there's going to be a six-week stretch on your schedule where T.J. Watt's down, I think it's probably these next six games coming up, especially these next three games coming up. I believe all of them are winnable without number 90. Yeah, the Cleveland one sticks out to me as That's the, the swing game right yes, there. Yes, but I think you should easily win even without T.J. Watt against the Patriots in Pittsburgh yes. and the Jets. I agree with that. I don't think you should have any problems this Sunday. Those I, two teams are— As long as you have Cam and Minka, I, I think you're fine on defense against the New England offense. And everybody's power rankings after week one, everyone is putting the Patriots and the Jets on, what, the bottom five or yes. seven or six. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to win against those two teams, even without your best defensive player, because that defense still held up without T.J. Watt. Oh, absolutely. Um Against a, big, a be, against a much better offense from Cincinnati. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, and they still have star power on that defense without T.J. Watt. It's not like you're missing him and Minka or him and Cam at the same time. So you still have two of your three big dogs. Uh, Devin Bush, if he can continue to play like he did against Cincinnati over these next couple of weeks, he'll definitely make his presence felt. Miles Jack was a great, not great, but he had a really good start to his Steelers career. And I think the unsung big, hero big is... Big pass breakup on I, one of the plays for the Steelers in I coverage. Th- I agree, but I think the unsung hero, because there were just so many stars, was Cam Sutton. The guy was a lockdown defender. I think he only let up the one final touchdown against, or that wasn't even him. That was a Kelly Witherspoon. So the guy forced uh, an interception and had a couple of other pass breaks up. Would have had another interception on the day. It was just, I think there was a holding call. Or, he, he held. It was PI on him. Oh, and that's how he got yeah. the interceptions. But there you go. I mean, he had a he had a good day. So there are stars. Not maybe shining stars that are recognized league-wide, but there are still names on this defense that aren't Minka Fitzpatrick and Cam Hayward that can contribute and and lock down a far inferior opposing offense. So those first three games coming up, the Patriots and the Jets at home and the Browns on the road, all winnable. Then you look at at Buffalo and then Tampa Bay at home. Even with a healthy TJ Watt, I would have leaned towards picking Buffalo and Tampa, and Tampa Bay, Bay in those yeah, games. Yeah, I would so have to. I don't think, again, you're really not suffering too much from his loss because you probably had those games chalked up as an L anyway. Certainly the one in Buffalo. I mean, that's... If you had to pick a game on the, like a survivor pool, pool kind of thing, if you had to pick one team yeah. to beat the Steelers on their schedule this year, I think we'd all pretty much land at Buffalo would be the one. The one loss that you can That you can pretty much guarantee is going to happen. Tampa Bay at home. I, I like your chances a lot better with TJ Watt, obviously, mm-hmm. but I still think Brady and that Tampa offense is going to put up enough points where your offense needs to kind of score to win that game. And 
I don't have much confidence in that with what we've seen from the Steelers offense. It'll interestingly enough be the first time Brady comes to Pittsburgh without without yeah, yeah without a Patriots uniform and without head coach Bill Belichick. I don't know if you watched that game on Sunday night. I, I know you did, but if you if you saw the interview they did with Todd Bowles at some point, the head coach now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've never seen a head coach, and maybe I read, maybe I interpreted the interview wrong, but it was during the game, and I, I just never seen a head coach like that who has as much experience as Todd Bowles does, just seems so uninvolved with his team. I think it really is Brady in the front office's team, and, and Bowles is there as just the placeholder guy. You need, you obviously need a head coach, but so to me, it, it could be a huge test for Brady to come into Pittsburgh without a real head coach. Bowles is a defensive guy. I have a feeling that he's defense and Brady and Leftwich and has control of the offense completely. Um, here's the thing about Brady, though, and since you brought up uninterested coaching, maybe from not. Todd Bowles, I, didn't, I didn't say uninterested, uninvolved. Okay. I have a feeling that there's a chance Brady might become uninterested as the season moves along. Like, he is getting it a lot off the field from his wife, yes, yes. from his personal life, and he might at one point just say, you know this what, it. it's it, not worth like, it I'm not me. having as much fun winning as I used to. And that's hard to believe because he's one of the best winners of all time. But And it's hard to believe when you saw him come out on the field against Dallas, he did that typical run down the sideline, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, fist pump, let's go. That's his first game of the year. Yeah, so you're that's gonna have, true. I'm that's talking true. as you work your point. way through the that's year. Maybe point. he checks himself out a bit, but probably not. He probably goes like 14-3 and three and takes the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl. After that Buccaneers game, though, you have two road games before you're by. At Miami and then at Philadelphia is the seventh game as far as the games that T.J. Watt would miss. So if it's only six weeks, that's the, the one you circle on your calendar as the target date, the return against Philadelphia. So I'm going to just say something here, and I'm gonna, I feel like you're going to agree with me. You can win against the Dolphins without TJ. No, I disagree really? with you. I would have picked the Steelers to win that game in Miami if you had 90 on the field. I think Dolphins grinded out without him. Did you see that pass that Tua threw to a, throw to a wide-open Tyreek Hill? Yes. Where it just hit the ground about 10 yards in front of him? Yes. I, I feel like there's enough... Hitting again, the ground 10 yards in front of you is better than five interception or four interceptions ball going the other way like Joey B did. That's true, but I, I feel like Tua, compared to Joey B... Tua's is, not as good of a quarterback, No, obviously. and I feel like the Steelers can take advantage of that. The test is against the Eagles. Wherever you stand, wherever whatever your record stands, if you're floating enough, staying alive enough for the Eagles, and TJ is still a little unsure... Do you just say, screw it, don't yes. risk it here, take this one off, and have the bye week, and then you can come back fully game, ready to go. Back-to-back home games, yep. so you're staying in Pittsburgh, you're staying at our hospitals, you're staying with our training staffs in your own comfortable bed. Like, Yeah. So you, you say it's a loss against the Dolphins. I think it's going to—well, here's my thing. I think they're going to lose four in a row. Buffalo, Tampa Bay, wow. Miami, Philadelphia. That's why I think the game in Cleveland is such a big swing game. If you can win that one and start 4-0 and and then be 500 heading into the bye week when you probably are for sure going to get T.J. Watt back, you're right in that playoff hunt, I'd have to imagine, unless teams are just running away with it early. Yes. So if you lose that game to Cleveland, you're 3-5. and I mean, I guess you're still technically having a heartbeat on the monitor, but it's getting fainter and fainter. Cleveland on Thursday night is 
going to be one of the biggest games of the year for mm. your Steelers contending for a wild card spot. As will it be for the Browns as well. Uh, yes, and I'm not overlooking New England. You know, I, I think we all feel pretty confident that the Steelers can beat and will beat New England, but you have to go out there and play a, a complete 60 minutes or that's and then some maybe in the case of the Steelers in order to get the job done, but we feel comfortable about that game. We feel comfortable about New York. It's that Cleveland game where you go, that's the next winnable game for the Steelers, but I'm not as comfortable with it. So I think it's a huge swing game on Thursday night in Cleveland. If they get that one and can start 4-0 by following that up with a win against the Jets at home the next week, I think you're in really good shape. And, and you obviously don't want to lose out mm-hmm. heading into the bye, but you've created enough of a, a wiggle room where if that does inevitably happen, you can't steal one of those four games, you're fine at 4-4. Four and four. Can we agree that best-case scenario, this team goes 5-3, and three, or do you think the best-case scenario is still 4-4? Four and four? No, I think best-case scenario is 5-3 and three where they steal at Miami or at Philadelphia. Yes, including starting 4-0. Yes. I don't think they go 5-3 and three if they lose between, to Cleveland. Between 5-3, and three, well, yes, I agree. Yes. I think that's. I think the, the games that you can win without TJ you going into the them. bye are Cleveland, New, sorry, New England, Cleveland, the Jets, and then possibly Miami. And I throw Philadelphia in that ring, too. But would you say, you're not going to say, though, best-case scenario is 6-2. and two. But here's the thing about the Philadelphia game. No, they're not going to go 6-2. and two. That's, uh, that's foolish to think that. Right, I agree. Philadelphia could be the return of T.J. Watt. If he, like you said, this guy's a freak, he rehabs faster than they expected, he's ready to go, they're not going to hold him out and just be like, well, let's just wait until after the bye week so we know for sure. Like, if the doctors give them the thumbs up that he is good to go 100% health-wise, they're going to play him in that game. And if you can get him back for that game and he's Mm -hmm. obviously not— That's the other thing, though, like— so you get him back for Philadelphia and say you're you four and three in that heading into that game. He might not be superhero TJ Watt self like we saw against Cincinnati as he works his way back. I have a feeling I know where you're going with this. You lose that game, but at least he gets some playing experience and then has that rest week, and then he doesn't come into the New Orleans game rusty. completely rusty, yep. having missed what would that be? Eight weeks, seven weeks in a row? That including would- the bye week? Well, if he plays against Philadelphia, like you're saying, he'd miss six. If he doesn't, it's eight weeks. It's eight weeks. That's what I'm saying. So even if, so I think the key here is that whatever TJ's, whenever TJ says he's ready, it's not going to be the same answer that the team doctors will say that he's ready to go, right? I feel like TJ's, I I feel like TJ, if, if, he is on this path of an early recovery, he'll say, Coach, put me in. I want to be out there. And the team will say, I don't really know if that's the best idea. We may we're, we're still seeing some things in you that don't look 100%. We don't want to re-aggravate. So I think that that struggle could be an issue. However, if the team says TJ can go out against Philadelphia, he'll be out there. Now you know for a fact you're not going to have him until at least that Philadelphia game unless, you know, again something real screwy happens and he really uh overwhelms with his rehab process and surprises everyone with how fast he can get on the field. You know you're going to have the next six games without him. How do you manage that? I think Malik Reed is a, a good pickup to be the next man up, and you can really just plug him into that T.J. Watt role. You obviously need Alex Highsmith to continue to step up. Three sacks against the Bengals, but that was when all the attention was on number 90. Mm-hmm. We've said for a couple of years now Alex Highsmith has to take advantage of the attention being on the other side of the ball 
and for him to beat the one-on-one matchups, and he devoured the one-on-one matchups against Cincinnati, now that's on tape, and there's no T.J. Watt to worry about. It's a huge test for Highsmith starting this week against New England where they're going to determine a game plan against your defense, and number 56 is going to be probably at the front and center of that game plan. We got to double this guy. We got to really take this guy out of the game. We feel comfortable that their third stringer, Malik Reed, having to play second string snaps can be handled with a one on one or maybe move the pocket away from him, run away from him. Uh, they're going to go at Highsmith. They're going to they're gonna yes. test him a lot in this game. And if he can get off double teams and still have as decent of an impact as I'm not going to say he had three sacks, but if he has a sack, a sack and a half in this game is making his presence felt and stopping the run as well. You really got something with this player then. It might not just be, oh, this is a nice Robin for TJ. It might be a, wow, this is a pretty good to right below great player that they have running next to the depoy. I agree, and I think what's hugely advantageous to Alex is the fact that as of now, the defensive line is fully healthy. So it's not like it was last year where it was just Cam and just TJ as the big threats, and they just had whatever opposing offensive line you had to go up, whatever tight ends they threw in there as extra blockers. They only had to focus on two guys, really, and maybe sometimes Alex Highsmith took advantage of that last year. Now you have Cam Hayward, Tyson Alualu, and Larry Ogunjobi at your disposal to create diversions, right? You're not going to, not unless you're TJ Watt, right? No team is going to go in there and say, we have to block the guy on the edge on the right side. Right, you are not T.J. Watt, so you're not going to get that kind of attention. With T.J. out, sure, New England and the Jets and Cleveland will say we have to make sure that we're ready for Alex Highsmith and his speed. But it's not like they're going to put three guys on the left side or whatever right side, whatever he's lining up, just to prevent him from getting to the quarterback. Because then you just let Cam Hayward run wild, Tyson run wild, and Larry O run wild. So I, I feel like I, I agree with you to an extent, but I still think that with the rest of this defense here, or the rest of the, the defensive pass rushers here, it won't be that much of a undoing for Alex Highsmith. And I, I really love what we saw from Alex in the game against Cincinnati. I, I'm feeling confident in him not you know being T.J. Watt against these newfound matchups where he's going to be doubled and they're going to scheme towards him. But I think he's going to be successful. The dude really filled out over the offseason. He looks yes. so much like an NFL player now. It's it's almost night and day compared to last couple years and now this year. Um he's hitting his stride. Uh, yesterday or Sunday was a put yourself on the map kind of game mm-hmm. for him and uh, now you have to stay on the map. And I I'm really excited to see him do that without his superstar opposite of him, TJ Watt for the next 6 weeks at least. Malik Reed, you know, guy started over 30 games the past couple years, had 13 sacks. For the Denver Broncos, um, my caveat there is there's a reason why the Denver Broncos didn't want him, him go. obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, they Bradley Chubb was a monster against the Seahawks, so you'd assume they'd love to have somebody that could can match that on Compliment the other side. Him, yeah. yeah, so obviously they weren't willing to take a risk on Mully Greed any longer or continue to see if he was going to play to a level that's... Um, acceptable in Denver's mind. So that's sticking in the back of my head is that, well, a team didn't want him, so how much can you really rely on him? But as far as a guy that a team didn't want that you brought it brought in kind of dumpster diving, that's a pretty good find. Uh, that's a pretty good track record, a veteran presence in the NFL, and, and someone who's made an impact and, and has statistics to back up his play. So 
They set themselves up nicely depth-wise when they signed Malik Reed. We wanted, obviously, to remain healthy at the outside linebacker spot all year long and have mm-hmm. a good rotation of those three guys, but they're in much better shape to have someone step up for an injured T.J. Watt, for an Alex Highsmith, and thank God they went out and got Malik Reed because, you know, all offseason long we preached about how thin they were at the outside linebacker spot, and lo and behold, week one, your best player is out for a significant amount of time. I mean, they would have been floundering if they didn't make that move for Malik Reed. So I'm, I'm pretty confident in him as well stepping in and having somewhat of an impact. Um, obviously not going to be a superstar, not going to be more impactful than Alex Highsmith, you wouldn't think, in replacing T.J. Watt. But, man, is it better than where they probably would have had to go if they didn't make that trade? I'm pretty sure, Tom, before the Malik Reed trade and the uh, Jameer Jones acquisition was it just Derek Tuska who was behind? I believe so. Alex Highsmith. So you were three outside linebackers deep, and the third guy was a nobody, right? No offense to Derek Tuska, but if Alex Highsmith or TJ goes down, whoever one is still healthy and on the field is getting all the attention a hundred percent of the time. If if were TJ Watt to go down and you were left with just Alex Highsmith and Tuska, no one would give any credit, give any respect to that pair of outside linebackers. So I agree. I think they're in a much better place, and that's why the Steelers went out and made that move. I I think that even though when the final 53 only included those three guys, they weren't going to say to themselves, these are the three guys we're going to move forward into the regular season with. As far as the scheme is concerned, and how do you create pressure on the quarterback without the NFL record holder for sacks and a guy who had a sack in the game against Joe Burrow and an interception and a bunch of tackles for losses and, and a bunch a, of pass deflections, a ton of impactful yeah. plays. I don't know if they really need to scheme extra hard to get pressure on the quarterback. I think that they're if they just try to plug Malik Reed in and, and continue to attack the quarterback like they have, they'll be just fine. They, I don't think you need to dial up any more exotic blitzes than you have. I think. Cam and the defensive line are going to mm-hmm. be able to sustain pressure on Mac Jones, certainly this week. I think Alex Highsmith's going to be able to get home. I think Malik Reed's going to surprise you a, a couple of times. And maybe you do dial up a Miles Jack Devin Bush blitz. Maybe you do dial up an Edmonds Minka Fitzpatrick blitz every once in a while just to keep the uh, the offense guessing where the pressure's coming from. But the offense, when they face the Steelers, usually know where the pressure's coming from and just can't stop it anyway. Maybe that takes a little bit of a regression because number 90's not out there, but I really don't see it taking that much of a regression. I, I don't think they'll have much problems getting after the quarterback despite 90 being out. No, I, I agree, and that's the point that I was trying to make earlier with TJ. Or, I'm sorry, with Cam Hayward, Tyson, and, and Larry O still being healthy to this point. You're not going to say to yourself, just because TJ Watt is out, that, okay, the pass rush is is now going to be completely ineffective. The run stop is going to be completely ineffective. That's not the case. You still have, we we have said, of your front, I'll say front five, because the middle linebackers, I don't really want to put into this group, of the of the five rushers, right, you have four guys who are more than capable, and you can make the argument for Malik Reed. I know there's a back and forth of, do you want the guy that was cut by Denver or willing to be traded away from Denver? I don't really know, but at least he has good starting experience on good defenses. So I will easily make the case, four out of five, maybe even all five, are capable at at protecting against the run and protecting against the pass, getting to the quarterback. So, yeah, I completely agree with you because... 
Like we said, we know the stars on this team, but there are a lot of guys like Tyson and like Larry O, and now like Alex Highsmith and Malik Reed, who can be just as effective because of the other star players they're playing next to. The, I'm not worried about the sacks, but I am worried about the playmaking ability that TJ Watt has well, yeah, outside of, of sacks. You're not gonna... Is Devin Bush the guy that can step into that role? Like, he's the only real option, right, to get a couple interceptions, force a fumble, stuff like that. Maybe take one to the house. I mean, you know Minka's going mean, to do Cam, that. Like, I mean, here's the thing, Tom. Cam got an interception well, on Sunday. Fumble. It was a fumble. Okay, sure. It, yes, it but was he a did, fumble. But it was out of the ref's hands completely. It was either going to be a pick or a fumble. Uh, he picked it right out of the air. But, no, I I, I know that. Cam, Minka, they're still going to have impact. They're still going to make plays. But I'm saying like— but you had that third cook in the kitchen with T.J. Watt, I and understand. now he's gone. All the intangibles that T.J. brings. I mean, the 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 that, that first drive, right— it was a cam sack, and then it was an immediate T.J. Watt interception. And then the very next drive, he or maybe it was a, a T.J. sack, strip sack, something like that. And then the next drive, it was a T.J. tackle for loss, and then the T.J. interception came in. Like, the guy just knows football. The guy has that sixth sense, right? The guy is going to go down, and we, we've said this multiple times before the season even started. This guy, now that he has Depoy, you can make the case for him already to be a, a Hall of Famer. He was on his way within the first week. We had said to each other while working the game before those the last 14 seconds of regulation happened, we had said, what are we doing? Like, can the NFL just s- cannot screw around for the other, what, 20 weeks of the season and just say, hey, we can wait for MVP, coach of the year, comeback player. Let's just give TJ Watt defensive player of the year right now because there's nobody at any position on that defensive side of the ball who's playing as well as he is either in this game or in the league since the beginning of last year. So yes, I agree the intangibles are going to be a a huge miss. You brought up the name Devin Bush. I can't see that happening. Devin Bush stepping up to be that guy. Maybe Miles Jack would have to be it because the conversations we had we've had about Devin Bush, we, we just don't think that he has those that 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 sixth sense like he seemed to have when he was coming out of Michigan. With Devin Bush, he only played fifty one snaps out of a possible hundred. I think less is more is a really good formula for him because again, he had one of his better games in recent yeah, memory. He did. And I think that's why they wanted to do a lot of that big nickel. And they still did a lot of different sub packaging and keep Devin Bush off the field. But that's really what the attraction of it was. Not just that KZ's a good player and deserves to be, you know, ball hawking in the center of the field, but also because Devin Bush is better when he's not utilized as much as you've been asking him to be utilized. So I think if you can continue that less is more strategy, that would be great. I don't know how feasible it is when TJ Watt's now out and you kind of, like I said, want to have as many playmakers on the field as you possibly can. It's cliche, Jacob, but it's fair to say it. Everybody has to step up now. Yeah, your best player on one side of the ball goes down. Everybody, including thirty nine and ninety seven, have to kick it up a slight notch if I you want to be able to mask the loss for six weeks. That's what we were. Excuse me. That's what we were saying. People had to do last year when it was Tyson and and Stephon Tuitt who yep. were not on the field. I love both of them. Right. I I will go back and watch Tyson Alawalu, Stephon Tuitt highlights for the rest of my life. But together, those guys combined aren't even at the skill level that T.J. Watt is. I know we we talked so highly of the 2019 campaign that Stephon Tuitt had for the first, what, six weeks of the season, and then that got cut short, extremely short for that matter. 
But T.J. Watt is just at another level. So they're going to have to – they did it last year. They're going to have to do it all over again. But without the guy who was really leading that cause as the everybody has to step up. We're going to focus things more towards the New England Patriots camp in our next episode, kind of dip in behind enemy lines. But before we do that, I want to let you guys know to check out the Steelers Week in Review hosted by Wesley Euler. It's a recap of the previous game as well as a look – at the Steelers' next opponent. New episodes drop every Tuesday, available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll dive into the Patriots' side of things on our next episode. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opferman, and this has been the Steelers' Standard.